Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 57. In this episode, we have Brendan Body, who uh, has been in the animation field for quite some time and has had the opportunity to work both in animated feature as well as visual effects. Uh, some of his film credits include four of the Harry Potter films, Hellboy 2, John Carter, and uh, one of my uh, favorites, Legends of the Guardians. Um, he's worked on Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs 2, The Amazing Spider-Man, and recently Pacific Rim and The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. Um, he has had quite <laughs> the career here, and so I'm really looking forward to speaking with him. He's very well known for his skills in uh, flying creatures. Um, obviously, when he worked on uh, the Legends of the Guardians, Owls of Gaul. And he will be teaching our Workshop 3 Creatures class, which is Flight School and Fantasy Creatures. So I was really looking forward to speaking with him about his career, what he's looking forward to teaching here, and uh, just, um, I guess, the anatomy of uh, flight. So uh, buckle up, get your uh, headsets on, and let's listen to this podcast. Again, I just, first of all, really just appreciate your time. Um, I, I always thank my guests. I know you guys have lives in a schedule. Um, I was just recently listening to some podcasts from some of our past podcasts and uh, just the nuggets in those podcasts. It's just, it, they're lifelong lessons. And so I just, again, I appreciate you taking the time because these things will go much further than just our present audience and uh, to be able to even listen to again with, you know, little nuggets of, of wisdom there. So I just, again, I appreciate you taking the time to, to share with us. Oh, no, at all. It's a, <clears throat> it's a real honor to, to, to do this. You know, I think um you know, I, I look through your list of who's done podcasts before and where they've worked and who they've worked for. And I think, um, yeah, I feel very lucky to be even kind of <laughs> in amongst that group. So, Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, looking at your IMDb, yeah, you fit right in. No problem. You've worked on some amazing, amazing movies. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to jumping into those and talking about that. Um, first off, I always like kind of hearing how, uh, you know, we all, we're all congregated in this amazing industry, but it's always neat to hear how people have, uh, worked their way through and, you know, where they were educated and how you came to be an animator. Um, so if you want to kind of dive back into how you became an animator, how you got training, um, what made you want to do it? Was there any particular movie that kind of stood out? You know, a lot of people's is, Toy Story or uh, Jurassic Park or something along that lines. Um, was there anyone for you that kind of clicked where you going, Hey, I just want to do this. Yeah, I think, well, I kind of had a weird kind of progression through animation where I think the, the thing that really grabbed my attention when I was a really young kid was um, the stop motion animation and uh, Wallace and Gromit, which um, I'm, I'm assuming you get in America. But yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but that was um yeah those are just um yeah i just love those and that's that's kind of what i wanted to do i wanted to do stop motion animation and then uh there's i looked at sort of the, the colleges in scotland uh that did an, that did animation as a course and i came to in dundee which is kind of the, one of the better ones uh, and then through my time in studying the course, I kind of switched. I started off doing stop motion, but then stop motion is so frustrating. It's so hard <laughs> to do well. And you'll be trying to get your puppet, you know, in a nice pose or doing something and it'll just fall over. And then you try and get it back into the right position. And it just, it's, yeah, it's really hard. Very challenging, huh? Very challenging. I don't know how they do it. So, but we also... So, 
Um, but yeah, I started doing drawn traditional animation at the same time. Okay. And I suddenly realized, oh, you can have more control with that. You can actually, you know, figure it out. So I had the Eric Goldberg notes, ah. uh, which were like the, he's done a book since, but at that time it was the original Xeroxed kind of notes that had been handed around were really faded. And it was like this, this thing that I had to try and figure out. And uh, from that point on, I did 2D animation mostly at college. And um, yeah, then a little bit of 3D as I... Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> the instruction... Hang wasn't... on, you cut out there. You said you did a little 3D. All right. Your internet connection is unstable. That's not good. Yeah, I did a little bit of 3D at... Um, in the college, but not a huge amount. Um, but yeah, when I graduated, there was there wasn't a lot of two D jobs around. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I I wasn't quite good enough. My drawing wasn't okay. quite up there with where it needs to be for that. So um, so yeah, I uh, I had my little VHS tape and I took that around all the two D studios um, and. Uh, by chance, someone from Framestore had come up to our college and I had a card from Framestore. So I phoned this guy from Framestore called Mike Leems and he gave me an interview and um, I turned out by just luck, just by timing how they... At that time, I think there was a big big expansion of 3D animation Mm. and there just wasn't enough people to fill that void. So they were just like, okay, well, we'll just... You seem to have an enthusiasm for animation. (laughs) So we'll employ you and we'll just sort of train you up. So, um, yeah, I was very lucky just in my timing and, and where I was that I, I got into Framestore as my first job. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, again, they could probably see some of your skill set in your 2D, but, again, the, that enthusiasm, positive attitude, they knew they could run with you and train you in that. I guess so, yeah. Looking back, the work was, was, was yeah, was not great. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. And well, I think, um, yeah, the only sorry, bring, <laughs> no, the only reason I bring that up is because that's one of the, the interesting things in our, our industry too, is that we're, we're very collaborative. And so that idea that having to have a personality that is enthusiastic, that is willing to work with others, I think is extremely important. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of uh, people employing, that's what they look for more than anything i guess is that if you have if you're on your reel if you're doing your own personal test and you seem to be just you know that enthusiasm comes through mm-hmm. and that's that's because it's a lot of work so you need to have that kind of that work ethic to want to do it i guess right right so what was your first gig there at frame store i was working on a, a mini series called dinotopia okay um yeah which <laughs> wasn't it wasn't the best um, piece of work ever but um, yeah it was like three one hour episodes um, and so it took two years to do and it was just fantastic for me because it was just like you know that was my training basically there mm. I mean the first six months I really wasn't producing very much for them they would like give me like uh, here's a dinosaur tail that, you know I've done the walk you could just do the tail sort of thing and <laughs> and bits and pieces to kind of learn to learn on and then but by the end of the two years you know i wouldn't say it was a good animator but certainly getting sort of reasonably competent hopefully and then um 
yeah so that was a, a really great experience and yeah just the people where i was working with it was an interesting time i guess i was thinking about this the other day in that that was as i was had I'd kind of done some 2d before but the people around me and the people the senior animators and the supervisors they were all usually from 2d as a background mm. from drawing animation so um so yeah it was a really like the way that they were teaching kind of made sense to me. They would talk about posing and, and kind of, uh, I remember there was this, this great um, lecture they showed me by Phil Nibblink about the bouncing ball and how you can apply the bouncing ball basically to everything. And, and it was a real kind of, yeah, great way to, to, to show how that, those, 3D, those 2D principles can be applied to 3D. And, um, and that's, I think that's kind of stuck with me. That's kind of how I teach animation now. Is kind of, you know, using those two D principles and making sure they're kind of the core of your three D work. Right, right. So, did you find learning three D difficult, or was it fairly straightforward for you since you had people who were able to kind of, so to speak, translate for you? I do. I did struggle. I think. <laughs> I think <laughs> it was just so comp. Uh, yeah, I remember just thinking it was so complicated. Like, I could get my head around two D. But then I remember just trying to animate, I kind of like a stegosaurus sort of turning around and trying to just get my head around that idea. Like I've got to rotate it. Like how do I, how do I manage that rotation? Like, like the Y mm. rotation, you know, I'm, I'm throwing my arms around here, but you can't see that. But it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, how do you manage that rotation round with his like legs moving and the weight shifting? And, and it was, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, was I did it, find it hard. It's always hard, I think. <laughs> <laughs> was it a gradual click for you, or did something suddenly click where you kind of just felt like, okay, I'm getting into, I, I get this now, or as far as the uh, transition is concerned? Yeah, a, a gradual thing. There are, yeah, you do get these little jumps, I guess, as you, as you work. You, you find little tricks, you find little techniques, you kind of figure things out. And so step by step, you kind of, your work gets better and better, I suppose. Mm -hmm. it's, um, um, yeah, it's, just, it's funny that you started out in creatures and here you are going to be teaching our, uh, one of our creature workshops. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah. And I did a, a bird. That was the first time I animated a bird as well was on Diatopia. There was a little, uh, sort of parrot character called the messenger bird. Mm. And so I did quite a lot of work with that. And that's kind of, uh, so the seed of, of kind of bird flight, which I seem to have kind of by, um, I don't know, by luck or coincidence, seemed to end up quite doing quite a lot of bird flights through my career. But it <laughs> started with the, the messenger bird in Dinotopia. Nice. Because, yeah, for those who are listening, uh, Brennan will be teaching our flight school and feature or fantasy creatures. And you had a nice little shout out here from uh, uh, Kevin Shorey, who said, uh, You will do an amazing job with this class. Your flight stuff for Anim is the best out there on the interwebs which I think is a oh. huge compliment coming from him working yeah. on Have Dream Your Dragons uh, over there at DreamWorks. So yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> well, I know um, you got to work on a very, uh, one of my favorite movies, which was uh, Legends of the Guardians, The Owls of Gaul. All right, you like that one. <laughs> oh, loved that one. Loved it, yeah. It was one of those ones I didn't know what... Um, when I watched it back in the day, I didn't know what to expect. I just, I, 
just kind of got on a kick on, you know, family Friday movie night type deal. And so we were just kind of running movies and stuff. And, um, I had to come across this one. I thought, okay, cool. And just was kind of blown away at, uh, how surprised how much I liked it, you know? So yeah, that was a mm. really fun one. Um, I work with my brother here at our studio and I mentioned I was gonna be doing a podcast with you and I mentioned this one here. And he's like, Oh cool. You know? So yeah, that's a, seems to be a kind of a anime fan favorite. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's a bit of a, the story of how that film was made is a, is a slightly turbulent one where I think, I mean, Zack Snyder is the director and he directed things like 300 and, um, and so they basically gave this, it's a book originally. So they gave him these books to sort of translate into a film and then he'd kind of developed it to a point and they had kind of gone through the story real process and thought, okay, right, this is, this is ready to go into production. And so that's when uh, I came on board and a load of other animators. But then they showed it, I think at the same time they showed it to Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers suddenly went, whoa, this is really dark and really <laughs> violent. <laughs> Like, <laughs> um, which you'd expect from Zack Snyder, but they seem to be surprised. And so it, it had to go through a lot of sort of rewrites from that process and trying uh, to trying to soften the violence a little bit, but it's still still got some dark moments in it. For sure. <laughs> for sure. It kind of reminded me, um, not a, obviously a direct correlation, but reminding me of like Secret of Nim uh, back in the day. You know, it was this movie that had a great story, but much... Uh, more darker, I guess, in tone or uh, compared to some of the other movies. So it was one of those ones that was, I guess, a little bit more serious for uh, what would be considered a, a more of a kids' genre, uh, mm. uh, or appealing to kids. I guess I would say, being obviously animation. Um, so it was one of those ones that just it kind of reminded me of something like The Secret of Nam, where you're kind of just taken back by surprise on how um, sophisticated and a little bit more serious in tone the movie was. I guess, and so that's why I, I think I just liked it in that yeah. regards. Well, that's a that's an amazing um, you know comparison, um, but yeah, I'm interested to know what would happen if we'd made Zack Snyder's original film. <laughs> I think it would have been really good, but I, I'm not sure who the audience was. It'd been it more PG thirteen. <laughs> it would have, yeah, at least it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, the main thing was like the whole. There's this big moment in the middle of it where Soren's family died, and he comes back to his home. Soren's the, the main character, the main owl. He comes back to his home and his, his parents are dead. It's like the Star Wars scene where the, the house is burnt down and, and every, you know, everyone starts crying. And it's just like, yeah. It, it, was, it was an amazing scene, but uh -huh. maybe, maybe wouldn't... Yeah, it's not something you want the kids to think about too much. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely have to make sure it's some of the older kids for sure. Um, but yeah, just I guess in that... Um, it was just a bit different, I guess, in, in regards to what maybe a, what else was out there at the time, um, mm. which is fun. It, it's nice to have some of that variety out there, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I think Animal Logic, they, yeah, they do seem to want to set themselves apart a little bit from other animated features. And they've gone on to do the Lego films as well, where they've mm -hmm. kind of got this, this, I guess, yeah, edging more towards realism, I guess. So, um, so that's kind of what they wanted to do was, was have an animated feature, but the owls basically look kind of realistic. And that was quite an interesting sort of animation challenge going, okay, so where is the line? We don't want to do full realistic owls. Um, 
um, but we we probably with these designs we can't go cartoony, you know, DreamWorks s kind of animation. So that was I guess that's that was the good thing about the film being delayed in the rewrites gave us this huge pre-production time where we mm. had the opportunity to to kind of figure these things out and kind of. I think, yeah, I, I, I think the film maybe has some flaws, but I'm really, uh, I, I really do think the animation's good in it. And I think that time made that we were able to kind of figure these things out a little bit. Like I kind of, I guess, took on the bird flight as something that I was kind of trying to um, sort of design for the rest of the team in a way, I guess. But um, but other people are doing the same sort of thing with the acting and kind of the, the owl movement and things like that. And the scale as well, we wanted the owls not to feel like small. They had to feel kind of like human size. So you have to kind of, you know, play with the timing to see what's going to feel right for, for to get the right weight into things as well. Interesting. Okay. So what were some of the, um, for lack of a better term, compromises that you guys did in animation that took, that took off some of the edge of ultra realism um, but still kept it where it felt like this is a, a semi-realistic bird. What were some of the compromises or things that you had to adapt, I guess, as you mentioned during that pre-production time? Um, examples? <clears throat> think of examples. Well, and I'll speak for the bird flight because that's kind of that's what I know best, I guess. And so there are barn owls. So if you've ever seen a barn owl fly, they're not really the most graceful creatures. They kind of look like big moths you know you'll see them at night sometimes and they kind of like yeah kind of like moth-like kind of flight so we yeah to get the scale to get them to feel bigger you, we slowed the flight down and then um instead of looking at owls but also trying to feed in things like eagles and sort of um yeah and the evil kind of the, the bad owls as well you're looking at things like um frigate birds and stuff like that to try and get kind of yeah some push the silhouettes and push the kind of posing so there is some sense of character in there you can but mm. you can kind of get that from nature sometimes i guess that if you look at a frigate bird which uh, i'm sure most people aren't familiar with but they <laughs> they kind of have these wings and the body kind of hangs down low under the wings and they kind of have this this kind of menacing kind of look to them so you can go okay so we can put that onto an owl mm. and give that kind of feel to an owl and so I guess most of the references were still natural, but you're trying to pull from different different things to try and get the character in there, but without making it um, cartoony or... Gotcha. No, that's very sense. interesting. That's very cool. So, so they will be uh, familiar with that bird if they take your class here, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Day one, first yeah. class. This is a figure bird. <laughs> Um, how much did you guys, I mean, were you inundated with bird reference where you were like, okay, I'm, I'm sick of it. Or was it just one of those things that was just completely fascinating where, um, you couldn't get enough of it to, to accomplish what you were trying to do here. There was a lot of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. I think we had just had this folder system where you'd start to try and filter it all down into, kind of oh, nice landings or um, 
oh, this is an interesting bit of turning in flight. So you kind of had to sort all the reference out. But yeah, so we had all this stuff from TV and which kind of scoured the internet. And then they'd also gone to sort of bird um, like sanctuaries. sanctuaries. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so they'd shot a lot of footage of birds flying around and all at kind of 50 frames per second. So you could really kind of... Um, yeah, see the detail in that, and yeah, it's just like I say, it was a long pre-production, so we 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 had the time to really go through stuff and try and sort it out, and try and you know sh- sharing it around as well, going look, you know, oh, you're doing a landing, look at this, this is this is a, a really interesting way to do a landing, and whatever it is. Yeah, very cool. Um, <clears throat> as I started looking at this class and you as an instructor teaching this course, what are some of the important parts or reasons why someone would need to take this class. Um, I, I, the first thing that kind of comes to mind is in animators, you're, you're in a different world, so to speak, uh, in the air. So a lot of mm. the things you may typically learn would seem like you'd kind of have to bypass, you know, you, you know, weight would be different and things of that nature. So is that some of the stuff that you found to be challenging in learning and also some of the stuff that you're looking forward to teaching? Yeah, I think, uh, I'd say the key, one of the keys to getting bird flight looking good is is the anatomy of the bird. I think <clears throat> um, what most people do is they start with the bird rig and they want to do like the first pose, like pull the wings up. They'll just grab like the, th- the first three joints in an arm and then just sort of rotate them up. And you'll get this nice curved kind of up pose on the wing. But from the start, you've kind of broken the anatomy because you've you've got basically the humor, the humerus, the ulnar and radius, and then the the, the sort of the hand there as well. And so they, that second joint can't bend up, mm. um, and then the hand joint doesn't really bend up either. So right from the the start, you've kind of broken the rig, and then you, it's, if you're not, it's, yeah, it's that thing that if you're not bending the bones in the correct way then it's never going to look right. Look right, yep. A lot of animated flight tends to have overly floppy wings. Mm. And it's they'd have a softness in them in the feathers, but you need to get those underlying rigidity of the bones. And it's that kind of uh, combination that makes it look good, I think. Very cool. But, but um, yeah, when you get into uh, like the dynamics of flight and air, how the air moves over the wing and stuff like that, that's... That gets really complicated. <laughs> and I, I don't claim to really understand it that well. I can, you can kind of figure out some things, but, um, but yeah, it's, it, I was, yeah, it's, 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 you do, you do that thing in kind of class sometimes where you have a, you know, a shape where it's flat on the top and then curved above and you, you see the little arrows you know, I've seen those diagrams of the, the air traveling over the wing mm-hmm. um, and that gives it lift, but it's so much more complicated than that. There's you've, if you stick your hand out of a window in a car and tilt your hand up and down, like you, you raise your, turn your palm towards the direction you're moving and then turn it away so it's the back of your hand facing forward, you get to feel what the air is doing. Mm-hmm. And it's when your, your hand turns towards the air, that's when you feel the lift. Mm-hmm. That's like, but that is like the bird lifting its wings up. So it's kind of a lot of these counterintuitive things of, uh. of you think the bird's pushing the air down and then it's just trying to lift its wings up. But actually, big birds are generating lift by twisting their wings during that upstroke. And yeah, there's all, yeah, 
that's Again, awesome. within the class, but there's there's lots of yeah complicated kind of dynamics. If you don't have yeah, with, an understanding with of thing, that, it's not going to look right. Yeah. Oh, very cool. And that's one of the things I I, I love about animation. Um, you do have to know that kind of stuff to get it to look right because even the audience who doesn't understand all that stuff, they're used to seeing a bird fly. They're used to seeing people walk. They're used to seeing dogs walking. And so they may not know all the body mechanics and the physics behind it, but they'll notice something's off. And mm. so that's what I love about what you're talking about here. Cause someone can be like, well, you know, that seems maybe more complicated. And you're like, no, if you don't get that right, you won't sell it to the audience. Um, yeah. And there's a thing in animation, I think sometimes where you're working on like in your scene and you're looking at just a gray play blast and the animation can look good, but then it's like once you see the render, like if you're working on visual effects and mm-hmm. you're putting it into a backplate, and then there's a switch that happens there where your brain's like, all right, now my brain is asking me if this is real. Okay. And it, it looked like a nice piece of animation as a play blast, but there's something like now my brain's saying, no, that doesn't look, <laughs> it's not right. Uh-huh. It's a nice piece of animation, but it's not, you know, correct for the the creature or the whatever it is usually the flight it's like you know it doesn't quite yeah you can just say it's sick yeah um now you mentioned something about big birds uh not big bird from sesame street but big birds (laughs) (laughs) um is there a large difference in how or a significant difference i'll say in how the the animation for smaller birds and bigger birds uh varies um yeah I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of way to answer these questions. Basically, you've got hummingbirds, and they're almost like a separate thing. The way mm-hmm. they fly is kind of different to other birds. But So if you take out hummingbirds, basically all other birds are more or less doing the same thing with their wings. Okay. They're all got the same structure. Um, but, yeah, because, with smaller birds... Uh, air resistance is a kind of interesting force in that it affects smaller things more than bigger things. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so the way smaller birds fly is different to bigger birds. Like like that thing I was talking about where the wings, uh, the big birds use their wings on the upstroke to give them lift. Little birds can't really do that because their wings are give them, it's like a, a payoff where they actually create too much drag for them to do that. So they'll tuck their wings in more as they're pulling the wings up oh, and not using them for lift. Okay. Uh, and then they, they, again, they start to have this flight pattern, which is different to big birds, but they do lots of little flaps and then just pull their wings in for a bit. And that's more efficient for them than having the wings out all the time, which have these drags. So, mm. no, so yeah. Okay. No, that's why I guess I was asking because again, I'm looking at this class and I'm just going, man, there's so much to it. <laughs> yeah. That's why we get guys like you who have done tons and tons and tons of animation and research to uh, teach that. So no, that's fantastic. Very cool. Now, were there any other, um, I, looking at your, like I said, your IMDB, you've worked both in feature and VFX. Um, I noticed here uh, a lot of the Harry Potter films, um, the Hobbit, where there's a lot, where there are a lot of creature or flying creatures and those films that you worked on? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did the, like the messenger bird was the first thing in Diatopia. Then straight after that was Harry Potter, 
and the Chamber of Secrets, and that was um, Fox the Phoenix. Okay. So, um, yeah, the, the end sequence there where it attacks the basilisk, that we, as a team, we did that. Mm. And so I animated some shots of Fox flying there. And then did I did one film, no, it was a TV show around that time called The Last Dragon, uh, where we got to do some creature stuff there and did flying dragons for that. And then, uh, oh yeah, then Buckbeak, the hippogriff in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. That's another flying, flying thing there. And that was a really interesting mix of horse and bird <laughs> eagle thing. And so trying to mesh those two things together. <laughs> No, that's fantastic. I guess the reason why I asked is I'm looking at your, like I said, your resume here and how much of flying creatures you've got to work on is, is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Like I say, it's not something I seek out, which seems to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such as the nature is via V of X though, right? I mean, where you're dealing with all sorts of different creatures and um, fantasy type ones that obviously in fantasy, there are things that are going to fly. And uh, so, mm. Yeah, I could see that very much so. Um, any particular creatures that you've really just enjoyed working on? Um, well, I worked on Pacific Rim, uh, ILM in Vancouver. Okay. I, I think that that was really good fun. There was that a cool was, creature um, or cool flying one I think I saw on your, uh, uh, your reel that looked really cool. Yeah, uh, it's called Otachi, I think. So, it. yeah, I mean, this is... film but it's hang on you cut out real quick you said uh sorry you just cut out right when you <laughs> yeah i'm getting a little warning that says my internet connection is unstable i don't know <laughs> but yeah sorry where, where did i oh, have a drink of water as well there you go <clears throat> otachi otachi yeah so i animated a um a creature called otachi for that which was, uh, yeah, it, it attacked the robot and got its tail ripped off and then was still able to grab this huge robot and then pick it up and fly into the sky with it. And it seems to leave the atmosphere as well. It doesn't just fly up a bit. It's like almost in space by the end of the sequence. So, um, so yeah, really fun to animate. Um, and, um, yeah, it's an interesting film. It's very, I guess it's very pushed very exaggerated. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching it and thinking, this acting's pretty cheesy, but I think maybe it has to be to kind of fit within the style of everything else that's going on. Everything's kind of a bit bigger, but yeah, that, that was, yeah. I mean, ILM was just, uh, just a great place to work. I really enjoyed that. And, mm. um, and they were just, they just want really good work. And so they, they just, I thought when I went there that they'd be kind of like, you know, really on top of you, like you'd get loads of notes and everyone would be like, no, this has to be good. And, and kind of, there'd be a lot of, yeah, just kind of iterations when actually it was one of the, the easier films I've done in that they, they kind of just gave the artists quite a lot of freedom. Mm. And, uh, and we got reviews with Guillermo del Toro as well. We'd actually not in the same room, we'd have him on a screen, but that's very rare as well that you're actually getting to communicate with the director and right, ask him right. questions and everything. And, 
um, yeah, and I remember this time when I was trying to, it was, wasn't on the Atachi, it was on this big crab monster thing. And I was trying to, he had to walk down a street and I, he pushed, he could smash one building, but then he had to keep going and there was another building in the way. And I was going, I can't get him past this building. You know, I was thinking it'd be expensive if he hits that building. So I'm trying to get him to avoid that building. <laughs> and uh, and so I, was, so I was saying to the animation director, and he said, well, just have him smash that building as well then. And it's like, in other companies, it'd be like, no, we can't afford the sim <laughs> to do this. You have to kind of sort of in a very sort of, weird way get him to not touch that building but they were just kind of like no that would be cool just smash that building and there was wow. this kind of just really nice atmosphere of kind of like yeah let's just make the shots as good as possible so freedom there had to do that yeah so that was that was that was really good kind of what the question was but <laughs> <laughs> that's very interesting <laughs> no i like hearing about that because each studio is so different they've got their own you know personalities um so it's always mm. neat to hear kind of how each studios uh, operates. Um, was there any other studios that, you know, you kind of, uh, okay, let me back that up here a little bit. One of the things that I tend to like to ask questions on is from each sh show, there's always typically something that you take away. Um, you know, I, I have a sports background, uh, you know, wrestling. And so there's always something that you kind of take away from, you know, that tournament or match or whatever that you can kind of take now to the next one that you kind of either need to work on or that you've, you gleaned and you're taking that as you move forward. And so I kind of analogize that here for, for shows. Was there any particular studios like you mentioned there or any shows that you, um, you just really gleaned from as you kind of moved on to your, throughout your career? Um, yeah, I think working on Cloudy 2 was a really, a really cool experience for learning. Just, yeah, that was just, I came off Pacific Rim, <laughs> which is doing everything really big and slow. And I went on to Cloudy 2, which is suddenly <laughs> this cartoony, zippy animation. And, and yeah, getting back, getting up to speed on that was, 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 was pretty tough. I remember the first shot I got was like this, cheeseburger a cheese spider i guess it is oh um, yeah 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 it had it had to kind of run away into the forest after being kind of scared off by a helicopter and so that was my first shot and i did it and i showed it to my uh, the supervisor and he's like he's moving really slow it looks like it's a sad cheeseburger <laughs> gonna walk him it's like oh, i'm still in pacific rim weight where <laughs> things have to kind of move slowly and be heavy where it's like, all right, so just like scale it up by about three times and it oh. just, <laughs> just zooms off. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, and I kind of a, I guess a leadership thing on that that I really liked was uh, the animation director, Pete Nash. <clears throat> okay, yeah. So, so how it would work was in the morning you'd come in and then you would uh, typically show your shots to uh, the leads and the animation director, Pete Nash, in the morning. Then there'd be a review again in the afternoon with the directors. Um, and so, yeah, what, what usually happens is if the, the animation director is not happy with something, he won't then show it to the director. But what Pete would do would he would give you notes in the morning and, uh, and usually there'd be, you know, you'd be, there'd be really good notes and you'd be like, oh yeah, that's a brilliant idea. But if you didn't kind of, if you were kind of stuck in your own idea or you wanted to present your own idea, he'd let you do that. So mm. they'd show that shot in the afternoon 
whether you'd done his notes or not. And he'd kind of introduce it, go, okay, this is the shot. I feel maybe we should do this. And, um, and that, yeah, so that was quite rare. And I thought that showed a real confidence in leadership where he was like, okay, this is what I would do to the shot to make it better. But I'm, you know, I'm not the all seeing kind of mm-hmm. person that I'm happy to just, if you really want to pitch this to the directors, then you go for it. And that was, that was quite refreshing. And I think that that added to the animation and that everyone felt like they weren't being told what to do. They, they could do their own thing and, and it would kind of, you know, I mean, sometimes the, most of the time the animation, the director would say, yeah, I think you're right, Pete, we should do that. But you know, you got the option, I guess, right, that, right. to fight for your idea if you felt that it was different. You got to go to the plate at least, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Take a nice swing. A swing and a miss. Yeah. Right? <laughs> hey, I'd rather go out swinging and missing than not be able to swing at all. So that's a <laughs> opportunity. Um, and I think as an artist too, that's one of the biggest things that where you feel like uh, you're not just a cog in the system, but you're, you're as an artist attributing to it. So I can see where that would be uh, a neat memory then for sure. Yeah, you always. I think that's the balance, I guess, as as someone who, as you're trying to manage a lead artist, that you want to have that, keeping an eye on things, and you you're making sure there's there's quality, but then you've got to give the artist some sort of autonomy so they feel like they own their work. Right. And uh, and because I've been I have been on a few visual effects shows where you're just getting notes and notes and notes and notes and notes and. <laughs> the light's been driven out of you, but also the shot as well. That at the end, it's it's trying to appeal to all these different notes, and it doesn't really, it's not really saying anything anymore, you know. Uh-huh. So, so, uh, so yeah, that's the balance, I guess, as a mm-hmm. commercial artist, that you you want to have the artist's creativity in the shot, but also satisfy the other aspects of quality and also you know storytelling as well. Right. Right. Um... It's kind of funny that you mentioned Cloud with a Chance of Meatballs, particularly after uh, Pacific Rim, because I was thinking, yeah, it's a very different movie, but it makes sense, too, with some of the creatures that were in there, the food creatures, while why that would be um, utilize a lot of your already skill sets in regards to creature animation. So that's just kind of funny when you mentioned that was your, one of your first shots. That was the first shot, and I think they were <laughs> they did know that I was... Yeah, hand done a lot of that sort of stuff before. So I did. I did a car coming over a waterfall and things that were kind of, you know, heavy and creatures. But um, yeah, that's funny. But I did. I was quite. Um, I did come in really, really struggling at the start, um, and you know, it's one of those things as well where you think. I've been animating for, I don't know how many years then, and at that point, probably 10 years. I'm a 10-year animator. I'm getting these kind of quite simple shots, but then you're like, but I'm not, I'm not as good as these other people around me. I need to kind of up my game here and kind of learn from them and work really hard. So I, was, I started off feeling a bit out of my depth, but I was quite happy, although I didn't do a huge... I did do some of the A shots in the film, but I did work my way up to getting some some pretty nice uh, Chester V shots. And he mm. was one of the more kind of, um, I don't know if surreal is the right word in the way he was animated, but <laughs> yeah. kind of, I was quite chuffed that they would start giving me more of his shot because I thought this, I've managed to 
achieved something here, I guess. I've, I've gone from coming in as a kind of a creature animator to being able to animate this really cartoony character that yeah. seems to not, you know, obey the laws of physics or anatomy <laughs> at all. So, yeah, very, very different than creature work. Huh? <laughs> <The effects>. yeah. <laughs> what have you um, enjoyed in your career uh, working in VFX? What's been one of the most rewarding parts about it? Hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I, I do like just the learning, I guess. I mean, that's maybe that's a naff answer, but just kind of each little step, you're figuring things out. And um, yeah, like the, the bird flight thing, I guess. You, you, you animate one bird and it's, there's mistakes that you make that everyone makes the first time and then you do it again you get a bit better and you do it again and you get a bit better and you start looking at different reference and you find some cool kind of link or you look at other people's work and and uh, yeah i think it's just animations that's that thing i guess that you never really right yeah to, yeah you never get to the point where you go i can do anything now yeah. i'm you get you know, some flying horse creature then in uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's always like oh no how do i animate this this right. is gonna be hard so <laughs> i guess that i don't know i I'm, I'm not really have a very coherent answer but i just enjoy everything you get you get you get a chance to learn something and if you're doing something again then you've got knowledge that you can apply to it and go mm. okay well maybe i can do this even better than it this time so um so yeah i think yeah i think with animation it's you can bring kind of whatever you've got into it i guess um you know i I remember one of my friends was very musical and he was talking about how when he did his animation he would set out his keys and he could see them as uh as beats you know Mm. and his timing was so strong because he had this kind of musical ability and he could put that into his animation and i think other people have, you know, a strong interest in acting or a strong interest in, you know, some people do martial arts in their spare time. And it's kind of whatever you do, you can kind of put this into the work. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess if I have anything, then I have this interest in anatomy and, uh, and uh, nature generally. And that's something that I can put into my work and make sure that I'm doing something that maybe someone else isn't doing, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Like I said, I was listening to some of the, our past podcasts. Um, and one of the ones that struck me was, uh, Eamon Butler. Um, he's got a background from, you know, early Disney, um, CG, but then moved over to Cinecite where he's, uh, forget his role there. He's one of the animation directors or whatever. Um, mm but they're doing a lot of, uh, at the time of this podcast, it was just prior to their feature division, but he was there doing obviously a lot of uh, VFX. And one of the things he said he enjoyed about VFX was the quicker turnarounds where you get to try a lot, lot more. And that's kind of sounds like what you were talking about, that this idea of being able to try a lot of different types of characters and mm. uh, where VFX is a quicker turnaround, you get to do that a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you never know. You never know what you're going to get. It's like, um, yeah, one week you'll be animating a dragon. Next week you'll be doing something, you know, what, you know, there's just, I guess that's, there's mocap for, which is used quite a lot in visual effects if something's humanoid. So this, the stuff you're typically getting is, well, we can't do this any other way, but animation. So you have to kind of figure that out, I guess. That's so, cool. Yeah. Very cool. 
Um, one of the creatures that stood out to me as I was watching your, your reel, and I apologize, I've not seen the movie, uh, John Carter. Um, there was this white uh, creature that kind of comes out of a, looks like a cave. Yeah. It's that called was, white, white apes. White apes. That was <laughs> yeah. phenomenal animation. Beautiful. Uh, the oh, sense nice. of energy and weight in that was just really, really cool. Um, what was it that you did to prepare for that shot as far as you shoot reference? Was that something you guys had mocap and had to uh, finish animating? Um, what was it? Hmm. It's been a while ago. I can't remember how I prepared for that. I think, yeah, John Carter, there's quite a lot of humanoid alien characters and they mm. were quite, you could use yourself for reference for that. I, I don't, I, I think I just made it, made it up. And then I guess I did look at some gorillas I mean, we had um, Alvise Avati okay. um, on that show. He was on that sequence as well. And, I mean, he's just, I mean, he just a phenomenal talent, one of the best creature animators in the world. And so a lot of it was just looking at his stuff, I guess. Okay, okay. Seeing what he was doing and, and what he's he was He's the one that worked with Eamon Butler on that short beans with uh, Cinecyclic yeah. uh, Creature there. So he mentioned his name in that a lot. So that's yeah, interesting yeah. to bring him up. Okay. Yeah. No, he's uh, anyone in yeah visual effects. He's he's one of the main main guys. Who's and yeah, I think that's what he's got figured out is that kind of gorillary creature. He worked on King Kong mm. and those apes and John Carter and that beans thing again. I mean, he seems to be able to do anything, but that's particularly strong. <laughs> is that these kind of uh, gorilla esque creatures that. Mm. that um, that he seems to have got down pat. <laughs> well, yours look um, very sharp too. So, oh well. Like I said, just I, I, what what I really liked about it was the um, the sporadicness in it, but still felt very grounded. If that makes any sense. Mm. Um, I do. I do remember using the arc tool a lot. I think that's something that I really got into at that time. Was was really trying to move things quickly but then you have to like to make it feel weighty you have to make sure everything's moving you know with good spacing in arcs as well and i think that i was i was doing that shot and it was kind of looking a bit funky and then i kind of really got in there just everything i checked the arc for check the chest the hips mm. the hands the elbows and uh and i think that that helped that shot quite a lot Very um, cool. but yeah I think it was just it had quite a lot to do in that shot it's quite a short shot and it was like right he's running out the gate he has to hit the gate because he's blind you have to keep reminding the audience that they're blind these things so he hits the gate because he can't see it then he gets angry at the gate and he pushes it out the way then he kind of runs out and so the shot's not that long I'd be surprised <laughs> if it's even 100 frames so you're trying to get a lot in there I guess and that's mm. kind of so um, that built in some frenetic energy just with the amount of, sort of business I had to get through. <laughs> <laughs> what is your uh, approach in animation as far as your workflow? Um, yeah, it varies from thing to from project to project, I guess. And um, yeah, I think I started out doing CG in kind of a, a layered approach. Okay. And then I think, I think the tale of Despero was the first time that someone said, "No, we have to do like a stepped thing." That's so your first block has to be these stepped keys, mm -hmm. and that was really really hard to do that first of all. 
Um, but then I quite liked that after a while, just thinking about poses and then worrying almost about the timing later. Right. And not having that distracting spliny movement in your first block as well. So um, I think generally I do things steps. Sometimes I'll start with the core of like animating the ups and downs. I guess that's the bouncing ball thing that if I'll sometimes just start doing ups and downs on like the hips and chest and get that working. I can sometimes build it from there. But if it's a, if it's a character thing or a complex piece of action, I'll try and do step keys and do poses. And that's generally the way I teach animation is to try and, because if you're doing like the, the spline straight ahead, you're doing sort of posing and sort of timing both at the same time. And that gets quite complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just visually, you're looking at it and you don't, you know, you're trying to judge it on is the timing working and is the pose good? Whereas if you do step keys, then you're separating those two things a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Just think, are these poses good? Or strong, or what? You know, do they feel conveying this message? And yeah, give it. Yeah, and are they? Yeah, when you go between them, does it feel like a, a good transition? You know, change in whatever it is, face or body posture, whatever. So, so yeah, I, I yeah. This is another. I'm not really answering the question, but I like step four that where you can do poses first and then worry about the timing later slightly. Gotcha. Does that uh, also seem to kind of come from your 2D background as well, looking at them in poses? Yeah. Again, it was weird that when I started doing 3D, that wasn't really a thing. But yeah, I think that's probably why when I got to do it in Tale of Despero, I thought, all oh, right, this is it's something clicks here that you can, you, can, um, you can work that way a bit more. That was another fun one I liked a lot too, the Tale of Despero. <laughs> you seem to like the uh, slightly obscure animated feature. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was. It was one of those ones again. When you're maybe when you're not um, don't have a whole lot of expectation. I guess you just don't know. Mm. And it's like oh, okay, that's cool. That took you know. It, I can sit back and just kind of enjoy the ride a little bit. And so sometimes with these ones here, when they're a little bit obscure, you don't don't know what to expect. You have no uh, preconceived notions. You're kind of just able to enjoy it. So I, I, that was one I did actually, I remember enjoying one. Oh, okay. That was, that was interesting. That was fun. That's interesting. So, yeah. yeah, that was, it was, an, it was really cool. I mean, that was like London at that time was all just visual effects. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people were really itching to do some animated feature. And so um, this Taylor Despero was, was a real kind of, this is frame store starting to, they tried to, I think, create their own animation department, but unfortunately that didn't seem to happen. But yeah, at the time the film was uh, was really sought after and the team they had was just amazing. Mm. You know, I was, um, my, uh, who was, there was, oh, I'm not gonna remember his name now. Tim Watts, I think. Tim, he was one of the leads and he'd, he was a, someone who come from 2D. He was basically Richard Williams' prodigy. Ah, okay. And then uh, my lead was, uh, for a time, Michael Schlingman, who was another person who'd come from Richard Williams' studio. And so you had these people and, uh, you know, um, Michael Schlingman would print out frames from your, um, from your animation and then sort of draw over to say, this, the drawing should be more like this. And, mm. uh, and it was... Yeah, just amazing animators. Again, I was only, I got onto it kind of late, you know, kind of like the crunch time. Uh-huh. So I, I think I worked on it for six months. So um, That's still a good chunk of time there. Still a good chunk of time. Yeah. I would say that, yeah, I guess I, d- I didn't feel like I pr- 
completely mastered <laughs> but who has <laughs> but i was kind of my yeah i look back at my desperate work and i'm not particularly impressed by it but okay. it was it was a great experience and the the team they had there was was amazing now maybe this is uh i don't know just throw it out there in your opinion why has uh vfx been the nom- dominating um style of anime or not style but uh the animation portion of our industry there in Europe versus um, feature. Uh, I don't know. I th- okay. I, sw- um, I, th- I don't know. I think it's possibly the way it's come about, I guess, where animation studios in London were typically kind of service providers, I suppose. That, okay. Uh, I mean, this is me kind of guessing here. Right. I think I most of the studios started out as kind of doing animation as kind of like, okay, well, you've got a commercial, so we'll do your animation commercial. That's what Richard Williams' studio was mostly doing mm. and Framestore and stuff like that. It would kind of be like little bits of work here and there. And so as they got into visual effects, I mean, they were small pieces of films generally in the start. And so it was, yeah, I guess it comes out of that where it's service work, whereas over in LA in America, that's where the movies were made. That's where they were being written. And that's where, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was happening. And it okay. was kind of, yeah, I would guess that. <laughs> no, no, I just, just wonder from someone who's been in that, the trenches there, I guess, so to speak, if that, if you had any, uh, unique insight, but no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Hmm. Um, now you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, bringing in certain things as far as uh, you know, someone maybe having a karate background, things of that nature, their spare time. W- what do you do in your spare time that either translates back into animation or kind of gives you uh, a release, so to speak, from animation? Um, what is that something you do? Um, yeah, hobbies wise, I don't have a lot at the moment. Me and my wife have got a small child, and so that's basically what there I do go. with my small time. But um, my role at the university, I have a lecture part and a research part. Okay. So, um, so obviously I'm teaching, but then I also get to sort of investigate whatever I kind of feel like I want to investigate. So I've been using that to kind of. Um, look at a few things but one of them is sort of dinosaurs and really try and get into the the paleontological information to see what what we actually know about how dinosaurs moved and um uh yeah so that's that's one thing that Interesting. i guess is feeding in and we'll f- so um yeah you cut out for a second you said feeding in hang on <clears throat> yeah, I don't think I said it very coherently. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that. So this paleontological information will hopefully kind of feed into um, feed into the workshop as well. I'm, I'm, how I'm planning it at the moment is that we'll start out in birds, and then we'll look at I think the the animate I animate T Rex. And so we're looking at a kind of a descendant of birds and kind of seeing, okay, so what do we know from birds and maybe what do we know from scientific discoveries? And then, okay, so then what do we have to make up or what do we have to use animation techniques to fill in the gaps? And so that's kind of like a a stepping stone from, from birds to dinosaurs and then 
at the end we'll get into fantasy creatures like dragons and go okay we can still pull things from both those things and and but now we have to invent more or, or you rely on other techniques to to kind of um, make it look convincing. Very cool. Yeah, I remember we did a podcast with uh, David Hubert. Um, I forgot who else was in that podcast with him off the top of my head. Uh, but it was when he was leading the creature stuff off of uh, Crudes there at DreamWorks. And obviously you have a lot of these creatures that have never existed before because they're just made up. But again, that same idea where you're going, okay, <clears throat> it kind of moves like this. So where do, how can we be creative and fill in the gaps? And that seems kind of like what you're talking about there, which is a lot of fun. That's as artists, our goal. And I think large in part, what drives us is that creativity. So that seems like a lot of fun to be able to kind of start going, how can I get creative and fill in some of the mm. gaps here? I think what you, what you want to avoid as an animator doing a creature is something that's generic, I guess. You don't want something that just feels like it's vanilla or kind of, um, or even copying something else. You're always going, okay, what references can I pull in to make m this more interesting or make it different to what's happened before? And so, um, yeah, so, and what of yourself, obviously, can you put in as well? So that's, yeah, that's, that's I think that sounds what um, David was doing on Crudes, where you, you pull in these unusual references into this creature to kind of... Um, so it's specific, but it's different to, to what's actually out there. Right. Now, okay, kind of just, uh, this is why I only have so, a certain amount of notes because my brain starts kind of uh, taking what you've said and starts kind of, you know, going off these rabbit trails here. So that said, what would, um, would that be something that um, it would also pertain to maybe demo reels as far as people looking at in, into VFX and things of that nature where their demo reel would have <clears throat> strong, uh, strong creature work, but maybe done in a way that's not so vanilla or would you want something that's more vanilla so it shows I can competently, uh, do yeah, it, I, guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's an interesting question. I guess depends what you're animating. Like, I guess if you're doing something like a real creature, like a tiger or, um, whatever a dog you know then you kind of you want that to look as convincing as that as possible okay i guess where you get to express yourself is in the performance of that right you know, have that doing something interesting or some showing some behavior that maybe you've not seen before um you, you know getting trying to do something that's even more convincing than maybe what you've seen before but yeah certainly with um with when you're doing your creatures, that's a really good opportunity to to show people something different where they go, wow, I've never seen something move like that before. What, you know, that's really interesting references he's used and he's tried to, to, you know, really be creative with that. So. That makes sense. That's very cool. Um, has there been any favorite uh, movie you've worked on that kind of just, stands out still to you <clears throat> best movie i've worked on i th uh, hmm. yeah it's a tricky one i'm quite harsh on the movies i work on generally so <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't think i've worked on any kind of truly great movies i uh i mean yeah 
maybe even the, the experience, you know, maybe the, the crew that you worked on, or maybe, as you mentioned, they're working with uh, Pete Nash, you know, uh, it was his leadership. Was there any, any movie that maybe during that time that you just, it was a great experience? Um, yeah, well, actually, there's one, <laughs> we worked on Happy Feet uh, back okay. in 2000, and David Hubert worked on Happy Feet as well, I met ah. him there. And, um, I mean, that was an interesting experience in that we didn't quite know, I had this kind of interview with them, I was in the UK there in Australia, mm-hmm. so I had this kind of very awkward interview where there's a time delay, and there, I'm on the phone, and they're sitting around in a table and there's lots of awkward pauses and things like that. And you're just trying to get, <laughs> just trying to get through it uh, as quickly as possible. And then, and then it's like, okay, I've got the job and I'm going, I'm doing this film happy feet. I didn't really know what it was to expect. There's people, oh, it's dancing penguins, but, and that's, they're saying, oh, the dancing's going to be mocap, but the, the rest of it's just going to be keyframe and then sort of thing. Oh no, they're getting rid of the mocap. It's all going to be keyframe or something. You're saying it's all basically, I didn't know. And we got there and it was all mocap. Basically there's a few keyframe sequences, but for the majority of it, you're just animating the face over this kind of approved mocap and you're not allowed to touch the mocap. So, um, it was a good experience to learn some facial animation, which I'd done too much of. Okay. Um, but I just, it was just a great, I really liked that experience. Uh, living in Australia was just amazing. It's just a, a, a great place. Um, yeah, we used to go surfing in the morning before work. Oh, and, nice. Uh, and yeah, just, just lovely, lovely weather and people. And there's just such a fun team um, working on that. Um, and so, yeah, made lots of really good friends on that. And that was a really, yeah. But I guess that was, and well, the film technically won an oscar so that is a good film as well there you go yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and like you said you know like i mentioned earlier uh, obviously scotland's got some beautiful landscape but there's a reason why it's all always green it's because you get a lot of rain so to be able to go be in uh, australia for a little bit where you can go surfing and stuff i'm sure that was a a very cool experience oh yeah it was amazing yeah just Yes, yeah, just not having to put on coats all the time. You just kind of <laughs> you wear a t-shirt and a pair of shorts without, and flip-flops. And there was, you go. There you go. That's, that's, my, that's... that's my attire there. Board shorts <laughs> and sandals. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but the people are really friendly as well. It's, they're like, I mean, it's a, kind of a cliche. They say the Australians are laid back, but they, they really are. It's really just nice, nice culture there as well. So. Very cool. Has there been any, any other places that you've uh, enjoyed? It looks like you got to travel around quite a bit. Um, yeah, I went to, uh, went to New Zealand for Weta, the last Hobbit film. Uh-huh. Uh, that's an amazing place as well. Uh, also Vancouver for Sony and, uh, ILM and yeah, that, uh, again, another great place there where you can, um, yeah, go drive 40 minutes and go snowboarding. So you can go snowboarding in the evening. <laughs> You're not working too late because it's quite, quite tough schedules over there, but uh-huh. yeah, that was another beautiful place just you're out in, in nature and um and yeah very cool now have you worked in the states yet uh, i haven't no okay so um, this is one place you haven't we'll have to get you over to sometime huh yeah visas are a bit tricky so <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting more tricky perhaps as well <laughs> hopefully that'll all kind of even out and settle down huh <laughs> <laughs> um 
What are you looking forward to uh, teaching this coming term? Is there anything that kind of drives you? I, I know you mentioned, obviously, you're a lecturer there at Dundee University, um, so teaching's already in your uh, forte, um, but anything particular where, you know, here we have an audience that's worldwide um, jumping on live, that interaction there, is there anything there that's um, exciting? Teaching at the university or on the... Yeah, on anime. Um... I'm going to do something on weight, which I'm quite looking forward to teaching. I've got, um, I guess this came out of Guardians as well, where I was, yeah, we had to do that thing where you're, you're taking something that's small and trying to scale it up and make it feel bigger. And so um, I was like, well, how do you do that? And I kind of figured, well, you have to adjust gravity. If something is small, then you have to make it feel big by the time it takes to kind of fall essentially mm-hmm. and so i i um yeah i kind of started filming me dropping balls and counting the frames going okay well if something's falling uh for this many frames it's going to fall this distance and so i can kind of work it out um and uh, a friend of mine uh, dan fothering and took this even further and he's got this kind of technique where he uses gravity to kind of uh get the weight right in his creatures and so i'm yeah. going to do a bit of that i think which are um, yeah, which uh, I'm excited to show. I think that's it's, it's one of those things where it's really easy to to have the character moving too much, and what you're doing then is you're making it feel light. So mm. you can, you've got this kind of technique where you can go, and that weight is correct, sort of. There's a bit of <laughs> there's a bit of artistic cheating, but but generally it gives you a really nice foundation, getting the weight right on your creature, and that's that's the really the good thing to teach, I think. Very cool. And that's one of the things I really just appreciate um, with our instructors is that you guys are the ones who have been in the industry currently keeping up to date and you're always from workshop to workshop, it becomes different. I mean, the things that you teach next this coming term versus when you teach again, maybe slightly different because there's always new things that you're learning here. So um, mm. some of the things I just really appreciate having guys like you who've got the background who are currently staying up to date teaching um, you're always constantly bringing the latest greatest. So that's always a lot of fun. Well, yeah, I think that's, that's what makes it interesting. I guess to keep learning. I, yeah, I did this, I've got this page online where I did this stuff on bird flight, mm. but I've got all this extra stuff now that can, I can all teach on top of that. And Very cool. I was at a conference earlier this year with Stuart Samida is the kind of paleontologist who goes around teaching anatomy. Mm. And he sent me this whole, uh, folder full of bird flight information so i'm still going through and unpacking all that but i've got all this amazing new information to kind of digest and try and add in as well oh that's awesome very cool um any final thoughts uh tips tricks um for those that are listening <laughs> kind of broad there uh, kind of um what can i say I, um, well, I, one thing that I've learned kind of looking back, I've been doing it a while now. So I guess I think a lot of people that are starting out are are in a rush. They want to get to Pixar, get to ILM, you know, whatever it is, they want to get there as soon as possible. And I think, I think my advice would be, don't be in a rush. You know, Mm -hmm. I think whatever project you do, 
even if it's not the best film, and I've worked on plenty of those, just look at it and go, well, what can I learn from this experience? Mm. What can I take from this and, and become a better artist or animator for that? And, you know, you'll get there. You know, you'll, you keep working away and improving. You'll, you'll get to where you want. And, and if you get there too soon, you, who knows? You might get bored of it if you're, I don't know, I don't know if people are working at Pixar are, are getting bored, but there's that <laughs> potential, I guess, that you go, okay, well, I've achieved this, so now what? Where enjoy the journey, you know, mm. enjoy all the things along the way and getting a bit better. And and I think there are those kind of those, um, I don't know what you're going to call them, savants or kind of um, little geniuses that seem right. to come straight out of school and then go straight to DreamWorks or Pixar or something, but. Most people aren't like that. Most people, it's just practice and practice and practice and trying to absorb information and, and just gradually getting better over time. And so that's, uh, don't get disheartened if, if you feel like you're not good enough and and don't worry about um, trying to get to, to Pixar straight after college or after, you know, a, a job. You know, these things take time and you've, you have a long career in animation. You know, you can keep keep going for a long time it's not like professional football or something where you've only got <laughs> 10 years yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, that's brilliant man that's brilliant um i think particularly in our cultures where everything's instant this instant that uh it it can become frustrating when we think we haven't arrived and we think we ought to and you do you miss it mm. out on, on the journey so um that's that's great advice i appreciate that very much thank you <laughs> <laughs> I've just made it up. It's probably nonsense. <laughs> well, Brendan, I really appreciate your time and looking forward to uh, you teaching here at iAnimate and uh, what you're going to teach our, our students, um, getting those ones out there to the uh, industry and advancing their careers as well. So thank you so much for your time and uh, look forward to seeing you here in our next term. Not at all. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome.